Welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be talking about the intersection of servitization and sustainability. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the podcast today, Dr. Andrea Schroeder, who is the digital lead of the Advanced Services Group at Aston Business School. Um, Dr. Andrea Schroeder has allowed me to call him Andy, so I will do that from now on. Andy, welcome back to the Future of Field Service podcast. Yeah, thank you very much, Sarah, for, for having me back. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I'm excited to, to chat with you again. Um, so uh, Andy was on um, a previous episode of the podcast. Uh, I wish I had, had written down what number that was. It would be a great one to go back to, um, but we'll put that in the show notes. Um, and uh, we had a, a really good conversation about um, how we need to leverage data uh, and, and how we need to think about data related to driving servitization. Um, today, we're going to talk about a completely different topic, but one that is um, top of mind for a lot of folks right now, which is sustainability. Uh, and we're going to be talking about how servitization really fuels uh, sustainability um, and, and vice versa in, in some different ways. So Andy, um, the Advanced Services Group is gearing up for Servitization Live, which is an event that you all are hosting at the beginning of October. And um, sustainability or climate change is one of the three mega trends that you all have defined that you will be um, talking about at the event. So before we dig into our conversation um, for today, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what those megatrends are, what Servitization Live is about, and, and how they can um, you know, check that out if they're interested in, in getting some good insights. Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, the three megatrends that, that, that we are looking at in the context of Servitization, and we talk about Servitization itself in a minute, but um, so we see servitization as, a, as, a, as a, a very innovative business model that has direct implications, not just for, for the companies engaging with this, but wider societal implications. So the specific ones that we've been looking at is its contribution to topics like aging population. There's just no going away. We are, as a mm -hmm. population, we are aging and there are technologies and ways of interaction that can help to manage this situation. And servitization plays a role in this. Um, there's food and food security is another mega trend. We all, as the population grows, uh, food is, is an important resource, more important than ever. Again, servitization has a role to play in bringing in technologies and different partners of food supply chain, making sure that, that, that food security um, and efficiency of, of, of food is, 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 can be managed. The one that we will be talking about today um, and looking at the intersection is sustainability mm -hmm. in the wider context. So we're looking at climate change, resource utilization, and so on and so on. Um, these are the three trends. So sustainability is the one that we're focusing on the, in the podcast here. Mm -hmm. The event that we are gearing up, and thank you for, for um, pointing this out. So there is a, a big um, executive conference that we are mounting it's a, it's, you find this under, under the title Servitization Live. Mm -hmm. It is a mixture, it's a hybrid event. It's a, from the 4th to the 6th of October, including, um, taking place physically in Birmingham, UK, but will be streamed worldwide in, in real time, of course. We will have um, a, a number of, of very, um, uh, very interesting guest speakers 
coming from industry. So the, the, the names that will be represented and they were presenting is Goodyear, um, Schneider Electric, Baxi Boilers, mm -hmm. and Omron Technologies. These are some of the names. And they will be discussing from their point of view how circuitization activities already helps their businesses, what their future mm -hmm. plans are, and what their contribution for their companies are to their sustainability goals through this business model. Yeah, Excellent. so it's, a, it's an event. Please, you know, visit the website. Um, if it's uh, of interest, please register. It's a, it's a, it will be a very good uh, event. We're expecting around 600 people to event, uh, to, to attend as it last year. And I hope we um, exceed this this year. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So um, those of you that have been uh, listening to the podcast or following the content on Future Field Service, you know that I'm a big fan of what the Advanced Services Group does. Um, I participated in the event that they held last fall, and I'll be participating in Servitization Live as well. Um, certainly don't come because of me. There are many uh, wonderful guests that will be speaking and sharing and talking about how uh, these mega trends um, are, are, you know, in their in their minds and in their strategies, and and how that trickles down into their individual businesses. So um, we'll make sure to put the uh, link to check out the event in the show notes. Um, but uh, for now, let's dive into to our chat for today. So uh, as Andy mentioned, um, the the trend or theme that we're focusing on today is sustainability. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that um, what I like about how you all have planned uh, Servitization Live is, you know, to really um, urge people to think about these megatrends, because I think, you know, it's very natural for uh, business leaders to get very focused on their day-to-day, -day, their, uh, you know, views and, and their world. And it's important to, to do that, but it's also important to take a look at the bigger picture of what's happening and, and how that all plays in. Um, so today we're going to talk about this intersection between servitization and sustainability. And the first thing I want to, to talk about, Andy, is the differences in perception of products between traditional um, product delivery or production models and servitized models. So can we talk a little bit about what that difference is and how that, um, you know, relates to this, this intersection between servitization and sustainability? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, this is, I think this is the good starting point. And um, maybe before we go into the detail, the, 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 the way I understand sustainability, there are, um, there are societal obligations. Uh, towards sustainability, and there, of course, um, companies have their own strategies and so on. So what I argue is that um, these are not contradictive to each other. So a good run business, or specifically someone, a business that tries to uh, move into the advanced services space, naturally meets, and I will show this in, in my explanation, naturally meets and contributes to sustainability objectives. So these are not two diverging interests that need to be balanced out. These are, the interesting thing is that these are very well and very nicely aligned. Mm -hmm. and, and the speakers at the conference will, will map this out for us as well. So when we talk about advanced services, we, um, for us, this is a move away. Largely we focus on manufacturers and we support around 300 manufacturers in their move from only focusing on their products, designing, developing, 
manufacturing the products and then selling it on to a uh, to the customer mm -hmm. um, to a situation where a manufacturer designs produces a product but instead of selling it on to the customer the manufacturer retains ownership and responsibility mm -hmm. for the product so it often becomes a pay-per-use scenario mm -hmm. so the classic example is the the rolls-royce aero engine example where rolls-royce for a large number of engines still stays responsible for the, the 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 functioning and performance of the engines and the um the airlines are paying by the amount of thrust they take mm -hmm. out of these engines so this is a significant shift for 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 manufacturers from being producer of products mm -hmm. to provider of services on the on the basis of of their product mm -hmm. services and and in a lot of cases, outcomes, right? So, you know, they're really selling that um, that outcome in a lot of instances, right? So, so kind of a step beyond selling it as pay per use or pay per service, and selling it as pay for an outcome, right? Um, maybe not in every situation, but in many, right? So, um, so that makes sense. So in, in the, the conversation related to sustainability, let's talk about how then the difference in model of, um, you know, produce to sell and offload versus produce to own, maintain, and deliver outcomes on um, contributes to the topic of sustainability. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is the, 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 the angle to, to, to un understand this. So in a traditional business model, and we generalize here, of course, there are mm -hmm. differences in companies. So we look at, you know, generic uh, business model of, of produce to sell. The objective is to, to, to make a profit margin, of course. The objective for design is not necessarily to look at the full life cycle of the product. The objective of design and production of the product is to meet, to make it attractive for, for, for purchase. Mm -hmm. So um, there will be a lot of innovations that companies would have in their drawers that would meet a different would not meet the price point that they have identified for their customers. Mm -hmm. So these will not be um, developed, or they make the you know the product a bit more expensive, probably a bit less attractive for an initial capital investment. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe there is a long term benefit to it that they fail to communicate or they're unsure that they can communicate in a mm -hmm. in a sale for product situation right so and in a, in a traditional business model that limits a company how much innovation they can introduce into the product and also what is the the cost of product they can mm -hmm. um they, they are prepared to to invest and, and sell so when we look at a at a uh, a change of of business model from a product mm -hmm. to a servitization context, mm -hmm. all of this, a lot of these changes. So we are in a situation where the objective is not um, to sell for an immediate price point mm -hmm. or to design for an immediate price point and sell, but to um, be able to deliver services on the back of a product for a longer period of time. Some of the, right. the contracts we're looking at are 10 year contracts. Mm -hmm. of servitization contract mm -hmm. so this is a company that designs a product and knows that the company that it, they are responsible for it for um for the use 
and service and outcome and possibly efficiency of the product for a 10-year period will naturally design the product in a different way. And we right. see this with companies like Rolls-Royce. When they design an error engine for service, that is a very different error engine. There are very different design principles than if they would uh, design a, a, an engine just for the immediate sell and not mm -hmm. continuous ownership. Mm -hmm. So just to, to clarify a couple of points for um, my mind and, and for listeners. So this is not to say that, that manufacturers in a traditional, a, a traditional business model are producing garbage or intentionally no. producing products that are not good, but they are, um, you know, by the nature of, of staying in business, they are um, producing products that the market will bear, right? So they are producing products to the degree that the market will bear in the sense of selling that product under a traditional capital-based sales model. Um, and so in that, there are certain, you know, when we taught, when you mentioned innovation, there are certain restrictions on innovation. So some of the things that could potentially be done to, um, you know, let's say maybe put uh, higher quality materials into that product or to, um, you know, design it and produce it with uh, the ultimate um you know, duration of life in mind versus us having to stay at a certain price point. That's where we're talking about, you know, there's, there's differences in how these things could be produced if the goal was not to produce what the market can bear for a capital expenditure. And so if, if you look at it now moving to the servitization model, the manufacturer is retaining ownership of the product and they're responsible for delivering the outcome. So then it makes sense to invest more in the production of the product to extend that life cycle because ultimately they are um, you know benefiting from that longer term view, right? Um, and uh, and that will will help them um, in terms of their ultimate profits by uh, innovating in the way that the market won't bear on a capital expenditure model. okay so, Let's let's talk about this just a little bit to make sure um, folks are understanding. So when you are going to build a product to be longer lasting, there is more expense to that, right? Um, and and so this is where looking at servitization or you know um, the shift to a pay per use or as a service model comes into play. So let's let's talk about why and how that is. Um, I mean, longer lasting is, is one aspect, but mm -hmm. for example, serviceability. Um, a lot of products are not designed to be easy to service in the sense of easy to exchange parts that, that mm -hmm. deteriorate in order to be able to maintain the entire product and have give it a longer, longer life. So we, we know this. There is, and, and again, you know, thank you for, for pointing this out. This is not... Um, this is not talking down companies and their design objective. If you are competing on price, and a lot of companies, you know, it doesn't matter in which price point they are, there is an, a price element in, in the way they can uh, position themselves on the market. Um, there are restrictions of, of, of what they can innovate and what prices they can, they can ask for, and that, that limits it. So the beauty of the change of the business model that it takes away some of these limitations and allow companies that are innovative to actually 
use their innovation to develop products that um, that they would otherwise not be able to. Mm -hmm. So what we have is 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 longer lasting. So we, when we look at uh, developing products for in, in a servitized context or mm -hmm. as part of advanced service, we have products that are longer lasting. There is no interest in companies um, having to replace products repeatedly, mm -hmm. being yeah, selling another one, just preparing for the next sale. There is there is no interest in that. The interest is that is efficiently an optimized way maintaining this product in, 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 in use because they benefit from products in use, not from product mm -hmm. in sale. Mm -hmm. The other part is, um, again, they, every service, every repair is to the detriment of, um, of, uh, of the manufacturer. It's, it's mm -hmm. a cost to the manufacturer. So they will design in a way that things are um, naturally are easier to service if it has mm -hmm. to be replaced. Than, than there would otherwise be. Um, a lot of these advanced services contracts also have um, uh, efficiency clauses in there. Mm -hmm. So it is up to the manufacturer who provides the, 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 the service to ensure certain energy efficiency or even down uh, cost down commitments. So there is sometimes mm -hmm. there are clause in there that requires a manufacturer to ensure that this, I don't know, a 3% energy efficiency uh, a benefit every year as part of the service. So cost down uh, commitments from, from the side of the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So these very much change how a product is being designed. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a design and production phase, but mm -hmm. also it changes how the product is being in the use phase. Mm -hmm. When the product is being managed by somebody who has designed the product for a long lasting, who has part of you know, penalties Around, uh, around inefficiencies, there will be a lot of focus on maintaining, making sure that the product runs on, on, on um, maximum efficiency. So there's a lot of, you know, this is where the digital part comes in, a lot of monitoring along the side to ensure that, that this is in place. And also there is a, there is a significant um, opportunities um, to um, look at the end of life of a product. Mm -hmm. So again, traditionally, when we have a product uh, for sell model, these products are being sold off after a while. So there is mm -hmm. no, so the, there's a primary uh, primary use and then and a pump or machine will sold out over to you know, secondary use and possibly internationally gets distributed. Mm -hmm. So there's very little chance for a manufacturer to be systematic about remanufacturing some of the products that are being taken out of use. They disappear mm -hmm. somewhere and reduce efficiency um, and, 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 and cannot be traced back. So when we have a situation like we're describing in a servitized context, where the manufacturer retains ownership of mm -hmm. the product, has to mon monitor these products, be responsible for them. For them, it's a natural, um, easy process to actually remanufacture these products and take these mm -hmm. products back and, 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 and uh, put them into a, I don't know, remanufacturing recycling context. Mm -hmm. So this is some of the of the sustainability benefits of advanced services that are not there to to um, that, that are part of the business model. They're mm -hmm. not an extra, a kind of an, an ethical or moral obligation. This mm -hmm. is to optimize the business of, of, of the manufacturers in advanced services context. Mm -hmm. Yes, that makes sense. So we're talking about the difference in products being optimized for sale versus being optimized for use, right? And so 
I want to emphasize the point you just made, because this is a conversation you and I had when we, when we first talked about this topic, which is, you know, there are people, um, for whom sustainability is a very, very important topic when it comes to their, you know, personal beliefs and objectives and, and how they want to contribute to, um, you know, the, the environment in a positive way and, and all of those things. Right. And, and we see that reflected in a lot of, um, like you said, at the very beginning, you know, there's the personal obligation side of this and there's the corporate obligation side of this. Right. And you see, um, some, some correlation there, but I want to go back to the point you just made, which is, you know, nothing we've talked about so far is something that is important simply to benefit the environment, right? I mean, it it does, and and that intersection is fantastic in the sense that that these servitization objectives and journeys have that impact. Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about here is really just good business, right? I mean, that's that's all we've talked about so far. Is is if you are on a servitization journey. Um, it benefits you uh, from an efficiency standpoint, from uh, you know a, a financial standpoint, to put these measures in place that also improve sustainability. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that you know there is a um, again we're generalizing for the sake of of a podcast discussion, but I mean there is a group of people that care deeply about the topic of sustainability and want to altruistically take measures to, uh, to have a positive impact there. And there are people that maybe, um, care less, you know, I mean, not, not to sound negative, but I mean, there are people for whom it isn't as big of a, uh, personal objective. Right. And so the point is, Wherever, whichever side of, of that lens you're looking at this from, the, the benefit is the same, right? If you're looking at it from the sustainability lens, there's benefit. And if you're just looking at it from the value of servitization and how to maximize that value, there's benefit, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a, another dimension that, that will come in and, um, and, and, in, in the future, I mean, we just as an example, um, in the UK, we have now a new legislation has come out that uh, by 2025, no gas boilers can be installed in new houses. Mm-hmm. So for a manufacturer of, of gas boilers, that means if they don't change technology, they, they have no business. Right. So, I mean, this is the, this is, there's, Forget about the 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 the, the uh, more obligation and, mm-hmm. and, and the mm-hmm. environmental constraints of gas boilers from the legislative point of view they, they right. do not have a business right. uh, from within four years time so they need to innovate technologies in order to be in business and customers need heat um, mm-hmm. so they are now looking at technologies that for example heat pumps which is more advanced technology than the, the traditional heating boilers but these technologies are more expensive. They're more difficult mm-hmm. to manage. They require more calibration, more looking after than, than a traditional gas boilers. Mm-hmm. So they are now into the trap that we described where they have to innovate. The technologies are largely there, 
but they don't match the traditional price point of a, right. of a gas boiler around the, I don't know, 4,000, 5,000 pounds. Um, so they are now working, and, and all of them do this, at saying, okay, the legislation doesn't allow us to go for a traditional technology. The legislation is based on sustainability goals from, from the government, but mm -hmm. even if the company doesn't subscribe to them, they will not have a business if they don't meet these goals. So right. they are now looking at finding new business models around advanced services to make sure that they are higher value technology that is more expensive and probably out of reach for a couple of new homeowners mm -hmm. can still be put into market. They have a business and um, and their technology can 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 be provided and their expertise can be of, of, of use in, in providing heat. Yeah. So yeah. I looked at the, I mean, this is on our side of the pond. I mean, the, the Americans, uh, you have similar sustainability goals. So that mm -hmm. means they're 50% reduction by 2030. This mm -hmm. is in nine years' time, 50% production of, of CO2 emissions. There will be, if they are not yet, significant legislation coming out there. Mm -hmm. For private citizens, for companies, there will be a lot of new technologies coming on the market to meet these goals. It will mm -hmm. happen. There's, there's, uh, if the goals are met or not, but the legislation will be there and the incentives will be there and the penalties will be there. Again, we are in the space where new technologies, as I described with the gas boilers, come onto market possibly at a different price point, requiring new business models mm -hmm. for these businesses to have a to have a have a business, a viable business. Right. So that's a good point. And so um, what we're really talking about is uh, disruption, right? And where that's coming from. So there are um, you know, you and I have known each other a while, and we both talk with companies regularly who are embracing the journey to servitization, okay? And many of them have begun that journey because they they saw the opportunity to do so, right? And, and they saw the opportunity to differentiate their business, to provide different value to their customers, to embrace a business model that would um, really transform their their uh, value proposition and and their um, their company and and how they operate and everything. So you know those folks um, maybe have uh, a bit of a, a head start in the sense that you know if if some of those companies are then impacted by this legislation, they kind of have a, a start toward uh, you know that that transition. However, even those that, that haven't yet, right, uh, uh, embraced the journey sheerly based on the opportunity they see, now they're being nudged to do so, right, because of this legislation. So the disruption is coming in the terms of a threat, not an opportunity. But regardless of how that's coming, it's, it's just the reality, right? And so... Um, you know, the, the opportunity to servitize and, and the opportunity that exists to change the business model so that they can develop the products they need to develop in the way they need to develop them to meet those um, legislative, uh, you know, restrictions um, is, is really pretty awesome, you know, that, that that opportunity exists, right? And so however you're kind of coming into the journey, um, it, it's a really exciting uh, journey to, to be able to embark on. And I think you make a really good point about the U.S. Um, and it's probably safer for me to say this than you because uh, I, I live in the U.S. Um, 
but I mean, we do, I think we do lag a bit in, in a lot of areas, you know, um, on, on this topic related to, um, you know, of some other uh, countries and regions, but you make a very good point, which is the objectives are there and the legislation comes next, right? So it, it is going sure. to come, right? And so there's an opportunity here for those, um, those organizations here to get ahead of that a bit, right? You know, rather than waiting for that to be looming and to be trying to race through this, you know, there's an opportunity to look ahead a little bit and, and to sort of see what's coming and to, um, you know, to, to get ahead of that. So, you know, that's a, a really interesting point. Um, and I think, you know, we, we talked a bit about uh, for you all and the organizations that you work with, um, what have you seen related to the catalyst uh, is, is there differences in the catalyst for why companies are embarking on this journey? You know, like, have you seen that reflected in when companies come to you and they say, Hey, we, we want to servitize and here's why, you know, are those stories different today than they were a few years ago? Or how do you see that evolving? Yeah. I mean, there, there are, there are different kinds of, 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 of motivations and, mm -hmm. and they're always show up in different ways in, in these companies. So uh, the, 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 the buckets that I would, you know, put out there to, to group these. So, so quite a number of them come from digital angle. They're saying, okay, we have now uh, digitized our products, have a good understanding. What are the business models that help us to get more value out of our investment in digital? Mm -hmm. So the traditional, we discussed it in the first podcast, uh, the the, uh, the advanced services is one of the business models, or I would even argue the business model for mm -hmm. for you know digitalized products. Mm -hmm. The other company, um, the other bucket is, is certainly companies that, and and often quite successful companies mm -hmm. that saying okay the competition is is creeping up. We believe that we have an edge in terms of product innovation and so on and so on but we are getting squeezed on price. So let's look at a new business model where we can mm -hmm. make use of our innovation and our expertise uh, and not have to compete on price with, with, uh, with the competition. Mm -hmm. And now we are seeing also, you know, in the last, I mean, the case of, 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 of a boiler, for example, or, or other companies we, we, uh, we are interacting with, where companies literally see the absolute need of, of, the, the constraints that the traditional business model puts on the way they can interact with, mm -hmm. with customers. I mean, just as another example, again, in, in, in London, I'm not sure what, what the year it kicks in, but it, it started to become a, a low pollution, entire London, city of London, not just the city, the environment, the metropolis of London, uh, a low pollution um, environment. So manufacturers producing or even products being used we talk about trucks, we talk about cranes, we talk about diggers, we talk about everything. We'll have to meet these requirements. Mm -hmm. All the alternative technologies are um, electronic based, will be more expensive, more difficult to maintain, require uh, different kinds of care, do not fit traditional models. So mm -hmm. if you're not um, companies coming to us and say, you know, we see how the market is being constrained for us for mm -hmm. the right reasons they they don't even blame legislators for it and right. they see that right. this is a it's it's a game change for them now we have to respond to this 
again mm -hmm. coming from you know as as a um, not from altruistic motives but as somebody as a leader of a business that needs to make sure that they have a business in 15 years time mm -hmm. and um and they're also sometimes it's based on legislation sometimes they're customers so mm -hmm. their customers if it's a progressive company their customers want to have certain commitments and a certain energy efficiency benefits mm -hmm. um seeing from their supplier because they can it becomes part of their own energy balance if i mm -hmm. run a production line i'm responsible for all the, the 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 energy emissions that are being created as part of the production line if some of the machines are not owned by me i'm still responsible it still shows shows up on my balance sheet so i want mm -hmm. to make sure that my suppliers of products um, helps me to achieve these emission um, targets that might be there because of law or because of strategy or ambitions. Mm -hmm. So there is a cascading effect now also where customers, where, where companies hold each other accountable and, and, um, and enforce each other's business model, therefore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is probably a really unfair question. Um, because I don't think there's any real way to answer it. And I, I know that uh, you, um, you know, uh, you're gonna wanna give me a concrete answer, but when would you say that the traditional business model is just going to become largely obsolete? I don't think it will. Yeah, I can give you a precise answer. And the precise answer is this is, this is a, the innovative companies will start I mean, we already see it not will start. They are starting to change the business model. But even a company like Rolls-Royce, Aero Engine, will still have a market for selling some of the products from the traditional way. Mm -hmm. um, so depends on, yeah, I would, I would have a, hazard a guess that the more innovative companies would, of course, embark on it further. But even the most innovative companies um, will still have a business uh, related to traditional products but mm -hmm. what we see and and the, the benefit of of having this uh, advanced service in place is the innovation that come out of designing products differently mm -hmm. and looking after product differently they seep over into the design of the products that are for the for sale market mm -hmm. so any kind of efficiency any kind of improvements will not just be isolated to one part of the business mm -hmm. so um I don't. I don't think think there will be a world where um, where where traditional business models totally phased out, but the, definitely the advanced services business model takes over, and it is always there. Some companies spearheading, some regions are spearheading. Scandinavia mm -hmm. is is very much ahead of of most of the rest of the world. I mean, Europe mm -hmm. is, is is catching up. The U.S. is actually involved, and it will involve further and further. Um, uh, regions of the world yeah. yeah and 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 so it goes i mean like i said that was unfair and probably poorly stated because i don't maybe obsolete isn't the right word but i mean you just think about you know there's there's a point at, at which the lag just becomes insurmountable do you know what i mean like the companies that are innovating and the companies that are not like i i think there will reach a point where it, that gap is very hard to close you know i mean i do think that you know while the traditional model won't become entirely obsolete the demand to embrace this reality is 
immense. You know, I mean, I don't think that that a company can just say, oh, you know, we'll just keep doing it this way and, you know, we'll continue to be successful. It just seems that that uh, is virtually impossible. Um, so, uh, okay. Um, I'm trying let to think just, of, let, yeah. let me just yeah. add to another. I mean, there are, you say it's virtually impossible. We have examples of companies that that um, that I don't know what the, the the proper word is that that didn't pick up a trend. I mean, we mm -hmm. we Polaroid, Kodak, uh, Blockbuster. There are examples of there right. are companies who who missed the trend, and and some can catch up, some cannot. Mm -hmm. So it depends on it, it depends on, uh, on on the setup. So yeah. um, some innovative companies miss trends. So it 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 can always happen. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the information is out there. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other interesting thing that we've seen over the years. I mean, we I started with the example of Rolls Royce. Mm -hmm. These are high value, very high value items. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the price point of an aero engine, but let's assume it's it's you know we talk about millions. Mm -hmm. um, the price point of, of, of products that are becoming attractive for advanced service models are now in the level of boilers, which are around, you know, a couple of thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. So there is um, the change over the last 10 years in, in what is possible and what is feasible um, is, is dramatic, largely related to, you know, building up expertise, opening up to the business model, but also the connectivity part. You're that, saying to servitize. So the potential, servitize. yeah, it, it's almost like um, I, I read a, I, I wrote an article, uh, it was years ago, but I, I don't even remember the exact angle, but I, it was talking about the trickle down effect, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the same concept, right? You know, this originated as a business model that seemed feasible or, you know, um, a good opportunity for a company like Rolls-Royce that produces products that are millions of dollars, but it's now becoming an opportunity that is equally viable to a company that produces boilers that are, you know, a, a couple of thousand pounds. Um, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, you know, just, there's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Just, just one point to it. I mean, if we, if we take the same mindset or the, 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 the as a service and we, we wind back 10 years ago and we looked at you know software as a service coming around the corner mm -hmm. and of course this started with you know very innovative companies mm -hmm. but now if you develop a piece of software and you don't have an as a service proposition um you probably don't have a business right if you expect that everybody will host themselves any version of your software mm -hmm. and you, you don't have a business there's mm -hmm. this, you know, a lot of companies will still offer this. It is getting wound down. Sometimes you cannot host it yourself. I mean, mm -hmm. try to host Gmail yourself. It's 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 a tricky proposition. Right. But um, but but this is the way I see it with the dance services as well. That mm -hmm. it starts with the innovative companies. It starts with the bigger companies with a high value uh, products. It trickles down into smaller mm -hmm. value products. Mm -hmm. And and I just for our conversation, I looked up just to close the loop. The energy efficiency of mm -hmm. as a software as a service or cloud services versus hosting yourself mm -hmm. is around ninety percent. So mm -hmm. ninety percent. If you would use the same software hosting yourself as an SME versus you would um, versus going into the cloud and using mm -hmm. some of the cloud space available, 
you reduce your energy efficient you reduce your energy consumption by 90%, 90%. or the mm -hmm. co2 uh, uh, co2 creation by 90% going into the cloud not the same numbers in, mm -hmm. in in our as a service uh, proposition because we talk about products physical products that need to be shipped that need to be produced right. but we talk right. also about significant potential in, mm -hmm. in energy and and co2 emission reduction yeah based on the yeah. same principles and and product waste right in the sense of what we talked about initially which is these products being intentionally developed and manufactured to last as long as they can right um yeah and it's really recycled at the end right. so lasting right. and the recycling loop which again is a, is a is a big chunk of of mm -hmm. what needs to be done by companies um, for their own efficiency's sake, and which mm -hmm. has the added, added benefit for, for sustainability aspects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it's, it, I, I love this topic. I think it's so interesting. Um, we have a, a podcast coming up with Tetra Pak, um, and uh, it, it's a whole sort of extension of this conversation, which is looking at the opportunity for, um, you know, beyond their own products, right? But looking at the opportunity to offer um, sustainability efforts as a service, right? And, and to help other organizations, um, you know, improve their own sustainability uh, efforts. And, and so, you know, it's really interesting now, now they, I consider them a, a leader, you know, an industry leader and, and one of the more innovative companies, but you know, those are the best to learn from in the sense of what we talked about with the trickle down, right? So, so to listen to those stories and to think, hmm, you know, how could that apply to, to my own business, I think is just really cool. And there's a ton of potential here. There's so many layers to this topic. And, and um, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you today and, and having this conversation and, and I'm sure you'll come back. Um, is there any other, you know, comments or words of wisdom uh, to that you would like to close with? Any other um, thoughts? Everybody who's interested in, in in this topic should definitely attend, register, and attend our Servitization Live conference. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I outlined the the the, the speaker, but what you will hear is um, innovative companies, or for example, who are in the heating or cooling business. Mm -hmm. that again servitize and they will also map out their servitization journey the strategy and the objective um their motivations but also show how um i mean they are under significant um uh, scrutiny in terms of sustainability and climate change i mean the, mm -hmm. the cooling and heating is one of the major sources so they use this new business model to make significant headway in, in standing up to the scrutiny and innovator in a, in a way that benefits their business as well as meeting governmental targets. So uh, yeah, if anybody's interested and you should be, then you please join Servitization Live. Awesome. Um, yes, I definitely urge you to do so. And, and just to reiterate, you know, what we talked about today, the, the two objectives are inextricably linked, right? So you know, that's the the really exciting thing here is that this intersection is is real. And, um, you know, as organizations embark on their certification journeys, they're going to improve sustainability. And as companies focus more on sustainability, they're going to turn to certification. Right. So uh, so that's a really cool thing. And it'll give us um, a lot more to talk about. So 
we will be sure to put the link to uh, the event in the show notes so that you can all go and register. And I urge you to do that. Andy, thank you so much for joining me again today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Yes. You can find more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS at IFS.com. As always, thank you for listening.